All right, peace and blessings, everyone. Hope you're well. You're now locked in with the baddest chaplain on the globe, Chris B. want to thank you first for supporting by subscribing on YouTube, baddestchaplain.substack.com, Spotify, Apple, any and everywhere you can get podcasts. But here today, we're going to talk about WNBA Finals, WNBA Expansion, and my guest today is Pastor, Writer, Mender, schemer, and dreamer for Boston Women's Sports, Laura Everett. Laura, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Chris. It's real nice to be with you. Oh, 100%. Good to see you, too. Good to be with you, too, for yeah. sure. You know, I really, I really, I really believe um, that we are in the midst of women's basketball crafting a golden age. Yeah. And you know, you think about the WNBA playoffs, it's been incredible record attendance and ratings. Going back to even March Madness, that was tremendously exciting. Like mm-hmm. casual basketball fans are talking about Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. So this isn't a flash in the pan moment. It's been building for a while. But I want to know, Laura, what's your excitement for women's basketball right now? I mean, my excitement is about women's basketball, but I think it's also about uh, pro women's sports broadly, right? Like, right, right. There's been um, a real recognition that there is an audience, and some of that has been about a marketing shift. Um, yes. And a perception that um, pro athletes who play in women's pro leagues are not just who you go take your daughter to. Like, we've gotten a lot of um, girl dad energy. And go take the, it's a cheap ticket, um, you know, Sunday (laughs) afternoon, family fun. And part of what was so fun about the Angel and Caitlin was um, an elevation both of the play and the rivalry. Right. And so um, some people, you know, you heard all of the pearl clutching and the tut-tutting about like, they are not playing ladylike. And there was a very racialized tone to all of that. No doubt. But also, right, like, we're talking about elite athletes right. um, and an elevation of the game across the board, whether we're talking about the WNBA or we're talking about the World Cup, right? right. All of this is excellent athletics across the board. So for my mind, like, I'm up here in New England. Why the hell are you watching the Patriots lose again? <laughs> Demolish. <laughs> right. You know, or the Giants or the Jets. Right. If you're in New York, lose, like do whatever they're doing today. Come on. Um, you know, like third quarterback sack when you could be watching the Liberty. Yeah, right? like, for real. If you are a sports fan, you want to watch quality sports. Where gender fits into that is right. an entirely different conversation. Mm-hmm. These women are ballers. Yeah. Do you want to watch good basketball right. or do you want to watch men? That's See, that's the real question. Because it hit me like when I was, I was just like watching um, the regular season, but even like going into the playoffs. I remember especially it was the, the uh, elimination game or maybe the game before the elimination with the Mystics and the Liberty. Yeah. And, and what were um, sits on, on, on the Mystics just went off and like had like an amazing game. And I, I turned to my wife and I said, if you don't appreciate this and you say you're a basketball fan, like your misogyny is just jumping out. You know what I mean? Because if you really actually, to your point, Laura, like like basketball, this is world-class basketball. But if you just need, because I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard the tired arguments, there's not enough dunking and all that stuff. Like when we watch a regular NBA game, a college game, the, the dunking isn't the only thing that matters. And it just feels like a very like ridiculous reduction to just say like, oh, there's not enough dunking in it. It just feels like they're using that to really distract from the misogyny, you know? Look, um, in our house, we call it the MB- uh, the MenBA. Okay. Uh, but look, I think for a lot of us, what we are uh, formed with earliest becomes, right. becomes normative, right? Sure. Makes and whether sense. that's white supremacy culture Talk or about that. Uh, men's sports. Right. Um, that becomes our standard of comparison. Yeah. But I think sports is not inherently male. Right, right. But because of the way misogyny functions and a bias towards men, mm-hmm. uh, the structures of oppression in this country have privileged male athletes for right. hundreds of years in the U.S. And yes. so we come in with a presumption about what something should look like. Right. But um, I know so many male coaches who show 
the WNBA to their emerging and young athletes because if you want fundamentals, come that's on, you should be watching. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But most of all, it's just good fun, right? Like it's excellent yeah. play. Um, and I'm really like. I mean, I think we understand this as pastors and as preachers and teachers. At some point, um, you know, I stopped trying to justify my existence. Speak on that. Speak on that. Right. Like, I, I, um, I know um, if I carry a Pentecostal vision that the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit has come upon all people equally. Right. Um, and has blessed everyone with talents. then. Um, why am I spending so much time trying to justify to some folks who have already like discounted half of the population? Come on. Um, that they are not worthy of eyes, time, talent, and investment. Right. Like it's just boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've decided you've written off so many people already. That's why systemic racism and sexism and homophobia is just so short sighted, right? We yeah. are squandering the gifts of God. That's a that's a word right there, Lord. That is a word, and, and and really putting God in the box. Like, no, God can only use these people. Like these only like like you sort of said, like trying to like Man, your imagine is that small, right? Trying to tie God's hand behind God's back is wild to me. You know what I mean? Like, what what we doing? What we doing? Really, this is the thing I love so much about um, pro women's sports leagues is like there is such abundance, right? And mm. I, look, right. I grew up. I grew up a sports fan, uh -huh. and um, I mostly watched pro male sports because right. that's what was around was on TV. Me. Like it's what was on TV, and because every one of those teams had a fifty-year, a hundred-year, right, um, a hundred and twenty-five-year part of investment, right. Mm -hmm. But what is happening now, and I think what we see with the Aces and with the Liberty mm -hmm. is two teams that have had massive investment call them right. super teams um call them all stars but mm -hmm. what you also have is really um two franchises that have put a lot in and yeah. i think we're also seeing the dividends on that a hundred percent so let me ask you with, with, talking about the aces and liberty who played game one today and Started out, it was close for three quarters, three quarters and a half, yeah. Yeah. neck and neck. Um, and then, you know, adjustments were made and the aces blew the door, the door off the hinges to say, to, say, yeah. um, so to speak. So I, I think about the ways in which, you know, I, I, I never forget this. And this, for those listening, it might be like, yeah, sure. But I remember saying on an Instagram comment somewhere during the season, Liberty Aces, this is what it's going to, it's going to be. We're about to see like a, a real, uh, Celtics Lakers situation uh, show up. Like, I think this is going to be that sort of moment. But do you think it's fair or annoying that I'm using this, you know, classic basketball, 80s basketball Celtics Lakers, 60s basketball Celtics Lakers, right? Classic rivalry. But I'm still using the male example to justify how great these teams are. Like, do I need to do better? Like, help me out. Help me out. Yeah, look, like, I mean, I watched the 30 for 30, like, I, I get it, but when Boston put up, like, what, we had a Marky Mark and a T, I think, I was like, oh, God, it hurts my spirit. Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the best we could do, like, Boston could do. <laughs> really? On short like, notice, on short The 40-year rivalry, like, we had more time to the <laughs> so, so, like, okay, here's the thing about using male comparisons. Yeah. I get it. Right. Right. Like, we all love good old rivalries and no watched it today, right? Um, the commentators for the WNBA finals uh -huh. credentialed the game by showing NBA players and Tom Brady. Right. So they were using the presence of male athletes to show how important this game was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's now, fair. on one hand, like, great. Glad they're there. On the other, it felt like um, feminist cookies. Ooh. Like, what? Congratulations, you showed up at a women's pro game, and now we're, like, celebrating you for being a feminist ally? Like, right. I, I, it, it's a reinstantiation of a male gaze that 
women are only valuable when men's eyes are upon them. Right. That's fair. I, I'm done with that. Like, I don't need men credentialing women's work, and that's what makes it valuable. Right. No, their game is valuable because they are excellent athletes. Yeah. Not because men are watching. No, no, no. But I think for some people, there's still a perception that unless and until men are watching, that is what um, authorizes, credentials, and where value comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so many oppressed groups, so many minoritized groups, so many people who've been held down under systems and structures of oppression um, are told that you are not valuable until someone higher above you um, deems you worthy. Right. That's fair. That's you know, fair. how do we say like, no, I'm, I'm worthy because God made me. I'm worthy because I got game. I'm worthy. Like, right. I think that's part of what was so fun about like Angel and Caitlin, about yeah. Asia, about um, uh, Stewie, yeah. right? Like yeah. you've got a generation of folks who are saying, man, I'm not waiting for you to tell me I'm great. Yeah. I know this in my bones. And I think for those of us who are Christian, like what is a posture of Christian humility mm -hmm. that both knows our own worth as beloved children of God right, and can receive like appropriate levels of feedback, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's a tough thing. So like, okay, back to the, like the original question, the rivalry, like I wait for the day when there's a generation of, um, a high school boys team or a mixed maybe maybe we get to a point where there's a mixed gender team that says yeah. um you know uh we're playing like an aces liberty rivalry right which, right? which like, honestly if we get let's say this is to, to play the to extend the metaphor yeah. but let's say like for the next seven years the aces and liberty meet four times or something to that effect it's not out of sight for that sort of conversation to happen yeah. right it's not it's not an impossibility at all because you have the star power there you have the like the 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 coverage is there like it, there's all the ingredients you need for that sort of conversation to happen in my opinion and i think this is true um across a number of women's leagues um mm -hmm. is how do you learn from the men's leagues but not replicate what has become harmful Right. So that's a good point. Um, there are questions about free agency, about control over one's life and careers, about, right. um, I'd say, concussion protocols, like right. bunches of things. Like, I don't want um, I don't want the National Women's Soccer League to mm. be like MLS. Right, um, right. I don't want some of the worst stuff I see out of the ever yeah. TWH, EL, right. you know, like there, there are ways that like just replicating what has come before, um, mm. talk about master's tools, right? Like we, we don't want all of that. Um, just a repu replication. Um, there's a language that shows up in, um, the women's bike industry okay. called shrink it and pink it. Ooh. Right. You're like, yeah. we'll just make it a little smaller and a little pinker. Right. A little pinker. Um, wow. Wow. Right. And like, let's not do that. Like the prophetic vision. I think those of us who are Christian preachers, teachers trying mm -hmm. to follow that way is like, what is the way we all get free? Right. Right. For real. For real. You know, you saying that makes me think about um, this comment that I really didn't know how to how to deal with it when I first heard it. Um, it was uh, Sabrina Ionescu, who's really, if I if I had to pick, it's probably my favorite player in the league. I, I love point what? guards. Absolutely. I, I love point guards. I love point guards so much. But, like, that, that's the guard you picked. It's fascinating. Yeah, I, I, you know, that, that's who, that's who like, for me, I just, like, you know, I wanted to support the New York team. Okay. And I remember, I remember when she was drafted, I was like, okay, this is a generational talent. Yeah. All right, finally, you know, Liberty, I remember them being great back in the day with Spoon and Rebecca Lobo and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, finally, yeah. we got kind of a thing going. Yeah. I'm riding, I'm riding with, uh, you know, Sabrina as like our generational play, right? This is, you know, I even, oh, like, I played 2K. Today. Well, today, yeah, but she was on fire from three all season, you know what I mean? So I saw, 
a, a lot of what was going on. And I like she has a strong edge about it. And that's where, you know, I, I think about this quote where she said basically that, you know, the Liberty have been playing the best basketball that New York has seen in a long time. Right. So, like, obviously, people take that as like an edge to the Knicks and to the Nets. I don't think the Nets should be that offended. But I think I think um, the Knicks being like really like New York's basketball team. I'm a diehard Knicks fan. So at first I was like, man, you know what? She's right. And I think at least for this decade, I think the Liberty have been playing the best sports in New York for at least, you know, talking about the 2020s at the very least, right? So thinking about the state of women's sports and what it means for a player of Sabrina's caliber to say something like this, what what do you think about her being able to prove that if, if the Liberty somehow overcome what the Aces are doing and, and she's holding up a championship trophy, they have, they're, they're in the Canyon of Heroes. What would it mean for women's sports for Sabrina to be proven right? So first, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I'm still cranky cranky about Brooklyn, right? Like that's a yeah. New Jersey team. Like all, all of all them, the all the histories in New Jersey, to be honest. <laughs> Brooklyn taking New Jersey teams, right? Like yeah. half of the New York teams are New Jersey teams, but we're willing oh, we to go. share. So <laughs> fine. As long as well, we the, call, Gotham FC literally puts the like slash in that there, so right. Like, as long as we can all agree that like Connecticut is trash, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. Fine. So I am I am an omnivorous um, consumer of women's sports. So yeah. I'm gonna pivot to soccer for just a moment. All good. Um, here's my concern about the premise. I'm concerned about the idea that women have to win to be believed. And I, there's a pattern that I'm worried mm-hmm. is repeating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm seeing it from women's soccer. But let me say this. I don't think mm-hmm. Sabrina's wrong. Like, right. Show me how the New York teams who have tried to buy their way in. And like, I say this as a Yankees fan in Boston. Right. God like, bless you. I, Look, I say I say to my churches like I do this as one because my grandmother would not let me back in the house. Um and right. two, our savior says, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Like You're I know out. from a pattern of like trying to buy your way into wins. Right, right, right. Mr. Steinbrenner, right? Like Come on. it's not it's it's not a virtuous cycle either no, for this no, no. actually the Yankees. Right. Um but Look, like, the idea that women have to win in order to justify our existence or to prove that there is a problem happened with the 2019 U.S. women's soccer team. And and Mm -hmm. that idea that, like, if the women won, then they could prove that their equal pay lawsuit, um, that they were being um, discriminated against. Right, 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 right. That kind of got happening but it's also happening now with the spanish national team yeah where, come on right right um, right and it's sort of working like for those who maybe are not tracking international soccer this much mm-hmm. like their star player jenny hermosa was kissed after winning the world cup right. by the coach um and on international television in a non-consensual kiss um, was grabbed and then the federation pretended a like it didn't happen doctored her statement harassed her family um and this is after um 15 players said they wouldn't join the national team after um years of the team reporting the players reporting abuse um not being paid equally but suddenly um when the team won there was a willingness for their claims of abuse, harassment, mm-hmm. and unequal pay to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, there are similar claims being made with Nigeria, women's national team, Come and on. with the Haitian women's national team, and Come a on. number of other teams right. in Jamaica, none of which are getting the kind of visibility and investigative journalism. My goodness. So what does it mean that women pro athletes are only taken seriously when they win? Yeah. What message does that send to women broadly? Right. Women athletes, 
people who play on women's pro teams in particular. Sure, sure, sure. That you got to win for us to take you seriously. Yeah. So I hear what Sabrina's saying. I think I love the audacity of that claim. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I don't think she's wrong, but I worry we set up this precedent of like, we only take women seriously when they win. Yeah. I guess when you when you when you started your your answer, I, I kept searching my mind. I was like, do we take like mediocre male athletes seriously? Like I was wondering about that. You know what I mean? Like, was there something that like because it's part my my knee jerk reaction was sports culture only cares about winners. Like it's like it, there's no gray area, right? Like it's kind of like the you know you often hear the whole like sort of like championship or bust. So you could have a 15-year-long career, like, worthy of the Hall of Fame in your respective sport, but if you didn't win, it's like it didn't even happen, right? So I, so I wondered about that aspect of it, but then when you, when you started to speak about, like, the situation with the Spanish team in particular, and even thinking about the, the U.S. women's team and the Haitian team, Nigerian team, it made me wonder about the ways in which, you know, that sense of the, the sort of, like, the sins of general society bleed into sports. So there's often this sense of people like to think that sports is this vacuum, right? Like people always like leave politics out of sports or like the worst of people saying, shut up and dribble, that kind of stuff. They want to believe it's a vacuum, but I think so much of like the things we do wrong in general society bleeds into sports anyhow. Right. Of course. Right. Like it's, it's a real privilege to be able to say, I'm just going to sit down and watch this. Um, And I think what has become true for me as a pro women's sports fan across Mm -hmm. like multiple um, different sports is athletes in pro women's sports, um, black athletes, queer athletes, indigenous athletes never have the privilege of just shutting up and play because they're always advocating for the bodies they live in. Of Um, course. Right. Like um, that is you you can't take that off. You can't shed that, Um, you know, and so it. The idea that I could just sit down and watch and not think about um, what does it mean that there are so many more male coaches. than there are female coaches when I watch a pro uh, soccer match. Right. What does that implicitly say that there's not a pipeline for pro female coaches, that women are not entrusted to coach themselves? Come on. Um, You know, when we look at like the NFL, the idea of ownership language um, and that there's so many white male coaches coaching black players, right? Like all of these dynamics it's a privilege to just say, I, I just want to watch and, and not think about politics. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, for me, I can't, I can't disentangle those. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I try to do as a fan, as a writer, um, as someone who is trying to create a space that calls and, and develops equitable, excellent, and anti-racist sports coverage here in Boston um, is to say those considerations don't, we can hold those considerations and have a joyful experience too. Right. That doesn't negate our experience as knowledgeable fans. No. And if anything, I think sports at its best it's it's held those things in tension and used it as a conduit through which we've learned more about one another, right? Beautiful. And that's, that's, that's sports that, in my estimation, that's sports at its best is, is allowing us to say, like, I knew nothing about this social location. And because my favorite player is in that social location, I have a vested interest. So if someone's just talking crazy about that social location, I'm like, no, nah, but so-and-so, I like them. And so they can't be all dehumanized by your estimation because I know I love that person. That's power. Right. That's the power of sports. It, it invites us into other worlds. It invites us into other considerations. It helps us imagine other communities and ways of being. I mean, I get put into conversations with people I would never have interactions with um, because of fandom, right? Like, and right. that's a beautiful thing that we get access to um, because of sports. Totally. It. Totally. It. 
So tell me what, what you think means more to you right now. I mean, we think about uh, switching gears to the WNBA specifically. The Aces being the first back-to-back champs since the Sparks did this in 2002, or the Liberty being an original franchise winning their first title. Now, I see the Liberty sweatshirt, and I'm, I'm pulling for the Liberty as well, but just thinking as objectively as possible about the, what's best for the sport. Is it the Aces sort of becoming this dynasty, or, or, or the Liberty or an original franchise winning a title? I mean, if I'm at the WNBA front office, I think you want a Liberty win. Mm, okay. Right, because I think you want the Aces coming back angry, hungry, and, like, for revenge next year. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good right? story. Right, like that. Um, I mean, there's the joke going around, right? Like, the writer's strike couldn't have been asked for better <laughs> with this, right? Right, right, right. You know. I mean, this is building a beautiful, like, superhero-like rivalry. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I yeah. mean, and we haven't even gotten to, like, the MVP conversation, right? But, right, right, right. Um, you know, I think, look, like, this is just good basketball. Like, yeah. It is um, compelling to watch. These are really closely matched teams. They have strong fan bases. Um, and, again, like, these are um, – franchises that have invested it's worth remembering like the wnba is young it is what 26 years old like 26 yeah 26 yeah right and and i think there's often a comparison to the nba um which is 76 um yeah that is that is like comparing a sapling to an oak tree like there is just nothing to compare the two to and and just thinking about like there was a time not that long ago when women did not have their own credit cards when they needed their husbands to sign off on having a bank account and Mm so you know whether it's title nine um which allowed uh or invited like a generation um that that is only 50 years old um like we're still overcoming hurdles for access to girls into the pipeline of sports. And that is still being built so that you have this, but the pay equity issues that we saw that caused Brittany Griner and so many other players to be playing, this is not sustainable yet. We don't have the kind of infrastructure in place. If I'm still as a sports fan, like being a women's sports fan means that I am constantly playing a treasure hunt for what channel my sport is on. For sure. And I should not be like hunting down A, where the coverage is and B, where I can read about something in a way that fans of male sports never have to do. I hear that. You know, something you Running said that makes... Running out sizes of things, right? Like, there's never enough merchandise. I had to create... Um, hmm. uh, like, we saw this during the World Cup. Like, there just weren't the jerseys with the names printed of the players. Nike didn't right. think that there was going to be a market there. Right. There continues to be this presumption that um, there isn't market, um, there isn't a fan base, um, and there is an interest, and the data often shows differently, but that lack of investment um, mm-hmm. has the multiplier effect. And, you know, I just long for the day. Um, I long for back pay, but um, I also <laughs> long for, like, equal investment. Right. Well, well, you know, it's funny because I do think, as much as we talk, we have talked about not wanting to compare, like, WNBA to NBA, is that their stories are eerily similar right so i think obviously to compare the wnba to the nba in 2023 is is just farcical but if you were to say okay 26 years then would be 1973 i think you still have you know elgin baylor at that um point it's just a few years um after you know he led the sort of like forming of a union right so you so you have that that kind of energy you still at that point you know people were uh you know, flying on like chartered flights still, like you were not doing the like jet setting that's happening in today's NBA. People were, I don't know how, like, you know, think about a giant like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He must have been in yoga all the time because I don't know how he, he managed to play basketball being on the flight. Like, <laughs> knees in his like cheeks, basically. 
Um, so if you think about um, comparing, you know, the 1973 finals where my beloved Knicks won their last championship, by the way, would have killed for the sort of coverage that the WNBA is getting right now, right? Like to think about, you know, it wasn't until 1981 that NBA wasn't on tape delay, right? So it's like all these different aspects and resources that are afforded um, to the WNBA now, but in large part, it's because, you know, and this is something I think is important for all, you know, marginalized and, and, and minoritized groups of people to understand is that like we build our wins on top of each other's struggles, right? And the successes that we have are built on someone else's struggles and so on and so forth. So a lot of the work that you saw the elders and the pioneers in the NBA, not talking about current players, but going back to the 60s and 70s, their work is also a part of the foundation of the WNBA success and so on and so forth. So it's, it's really just about understand how we all are pulling each other up rather than it being something like I, I, I cringe sometimes when I, when I hear um, current NBA players sort of misspeak or maybe just not think all the way through about pay equity uh, when it comes to that. And, and just really thinking about what it would look like for instead of um, them just saying like, I got this, you can get it too. But to really do that work of investing in the league and not just showing up to a game with the orange hoodie on from time to time, but really investing in the league. Like I think Kobe Bryant was trying to do prior to his untimely death. Yeah. Well, and I think, look, we we see beautiful models of that. And there really is a kind of interconnected solidarity that's possible. We saw that actually with the um, U.S. men's national team on the soccer side, where like, look. Um, I think they saw that there was mutual benefit. The women were um, three times, five times more winning, right? Like so much um, (laughs) women were bringing in more money, more revenue. They were winning a lot more, but the men were making more pay. And so um, an equal pay agreement really served both of them. But, you know, props to the men for like being in solidarity, like shout out to mm-hmm. unions um, and the players associations. Come on. I think this is going to be a real point where like, how do the um, players associations in multiple sports recognize like that solidarity with one another is going to be a way forward that supports um, one another. So you think right. about social movements, like the WNBA has led in so many spaces oh, where yes. the um, NBA PA has right. been less um, slower foot. Right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> they they might have been called for a walk. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I think about the NFL and like right. you know, look like uh, Megan Rapino just read. Um, had her last home game, right? Like the way right. that she followed Cap's lead on yes. like um, kneeling and like as a white queer woman recognized right. that the black players on her team like weren't in a, she had relative safety, but she yes. also got benched for that. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, like, so what is, if we are all striving to get free, like um, that's going to mean that some of us are going to have to take lead and follow and um, that collaborative um, intersectional back and forth um, Mm -hmm. that says like, you know, at a time when like um, so many folks are trying to make it feel like revenue, airtime, broadcast rights are infinite or finite amount of pie <laughs> right 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 you can't share that the nba and the wnba can't thrive at the same time right that's nonsense true like, nonsense what is right that? like i as a christian like i think this is the work of deep faith to say like no we serve a god of abundance like yes we all win yeah um, which I understand, like, sports sets you up for, like, there can only be winners and losers. Right, 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 right. Um, if, if we are to approach this work from a place of faith, it's like, no, we all get to win. It's, yeah, like, totally. There are enough eyeballs for everyone. Truly, 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 truly. And, and speaking of that, I think the WNBA kind of feels that way with regard to opening up the league to a new franchise um, in San Francisco um, attached to the Golden State Warriors franchise. This is exciting. Yeah. But it's still, you know, I'm an NBA purist. 
I cannot for the life of me understand why we've never had a WNBA team in the city with one of our most storied franchises, of course, speaking about the city of Boston. Laura, what is going on? When is Boston going to get a WNBA team? I mean, it's my next scheme. Not going to lie, I've already started like talking to folk about All right, so look, I'm thrilled for um, another Bay Area team. Right. Um, and I'm really interested to see how that model, like, with Golden State is going to work. I think, right. you know, in multiple sports, I'm intrigued by when male and female fran- or men's and women's franchises are both separate and together and what that yeah, yeah. branding either helps or hurts. Right. Um, shared facilities, shared branding, right? Like, I think there are pluses and minuses. Um, super intrigued by that. Why has Boston not had a WNBA team? There's like the technical answer, which is Connecticut is two hours. And like, fair shout out to the Suns. Right. We love an indigenous owned team. No doubt. For those of us from Boston, like, that's a two hour drive, like, not public transit accessible. Um, it's through some parts of Connecticut and Rhode Island that for those of us who are like black and queer and not always like the most hospitable spaces. So just went down, went to saw the, the semifinal, um, like love that stadium. Oh yeah. yeah, It looked nice. We love the sun. I would say most Bostonians don't think of the sun as our team. Sure. Right. 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 But I think that's probably the league's point of view is market. I have a team. Yeah. Yeah. Why does Boston not have a team? Uh, sexism. Yeah, that's like, fair. This is a deeply male-run city until the past few years. And mm-hmm. what is so exciting about where Boston is, and like, look, I am a, I am not a native Bostonian, but gotcha. um, I believe that, you know, after like 22 years in a place, you take the good and the bad. And yeah. um, these are my people. Got you. Boston is a majority minority uh, led city, majority mm-hmm. minority population. We have um, now our second woman as mayor, um, second woman of color serving as mayor, um, okay. and Mayor Michelle Wu. Uh, we have um, an incredibly diverse city council. But, you know, as I was joking about, like the Mark Wahlberg on the 30 for 30 about the Celtics Lakers <laughs> rivalry, like you wouldn't know it. Right, right. It's not how it presents itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like, you think we're all, like, Irish cop movies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Right, like, I mean, that's the, everything's the departed, and, like, um, <laughs> the words the right, out hunting, my mouth. right? Yeah, yeah. I think Boston does that to itself sometimes, mm-hmm. and when people come here, they don't go to Roxbury, Dorchester, and Mattapan. Come on. Um. That some of that's the racism, historic racism of our transit and right. advertising and tourism. Right. Some of that's been the inaccessibility of our sport teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think about the history of the Red Sox and the last teams to, to integrate, integrate yeah. right? Like, right. Think about the history of the Celtics, um, yeah. which was far better, but like, yeah. I still can't buy a Bill Russell jersey. Dumb. Like, what's that about? That's just dumb. And I'm going to say, y'all's greatest player. Greatest player you've ever had. Like. Period. It just, like, <laughs> I can buy 800,000 Larry Bird oh, man. bobbleheads. All right. Like, I mean, we're taking the Great White Hope, like, way All the way. Right? Like, so I think, and I grew up in New Jersey, right? Like, I think what happens in places where... You have a large pro sporting um, scene. Yeah, is that there's a perception that you already have enough. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's New York, right? And like to be clear, Boston is like a fifth of the size of New York. Like you could yeah, tiny. all of Boston in Brooklyn, and there would still be space left. So over. much more space, right? Boston. <laughs> Boston is a village compared yeah, to New York City. No, like, no it question. is not 
it is not big. I think there's been a perception that Boston has enough. Yeah. I don't think that's true because look, Boston is getting its um a reboot of a pro women's hockey team. We're getting a new um a reboot of a soccer team and Boston has the winningest pro uh women's football team in the US. Come on. Friend, the Boston Renegades have not lost a game since May 19th, 2018. They have a 40-year-old quarterback. 40-year-old what? 40-year-old quarterback. What? <laughs> won five championships in a row, and the only one they didn't win was because of COVID. The Renegades are so good, but you wouldn't know it, right? Like, this no. is the way the sexism in this city works. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, we just had our first uh, generally elected woman mayor, but mm. like, that's 2018. You know how long ago this city was founded? Like, <laughs> one of the first over. ones. <laughs> Right. One of the first ones we had in this country. <laughs> it's not a great history. No, 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 no. That's one of those firsts that you kind of like don't even want to mention too like, tough. You know what I mean? Like, well, well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. But like, I think for me, it's a lack of imagination and it's a lack That's of fair. investment. Um, you know, I just, I think it's coming. Yeah. Um, I think there is huge possibility and look like, Boston has some incredible athletes that come from here. We've been running this Boston Women's Pro Sports um, website um, to report on what we think is a real dearth in coverage. But I know from our numbers, like we shared an infographic about a player, um, uh, Cheyenne uh, Matthews, who's originally from Lynn, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. plays for the Chicago Red Stars, one of the national women's soccer teams, and who also plays for the Jamaican national team. Okay. We shared that like little tidbit about her when she um was put on um in one of the World Cup matches. That was our most shared um uh Instagram post, like through the roof. Come on. We know that there are like diverse and active and excited communities here that like wanna cheer on hometown heroes. No um those happen to be women athletes. Right. But so often, like, the majority white media um, that orients towards male athletes only yeah. is run by majority white men. And sure. so they're missing yeah. that there is a huge Brazilian population, a huge um, Haitian population, yeah. um, lots of folks who are really a huge Nigerian population here that are, right. like, really interested um, in other players. Of and we just, I don't think people have caught on to that yet. Yeah. I love how you say it, though, a lack of imagination. Just like the possibilities just escaping folks entirely. I like I like the way you phrase that yeah. for sure. Absolutely. So this, so I want to ask you this question. Uh, this is a question I ask all of my guests because I love to see the beautiful array of responses. Um, I want you to imagine that you're hosting a dinner. You can only invite four guests, dead or living, fictional or real people. Laura, who are you bringing to dinner? So I bring my wife. Okay. Important, right? Like, um, because both I want to like debrief on this afterwards. Be like, did you hear that? What did you um, tell me about what you heard? Right. Yeah. So um, solid answer. Jesus. Okay. My wife and Jesus. So that's two. There's um, a cyclist from Boston. Okay. Turn of the century. Her name was Kitty Knox. Mm -hmm. She was a black woman and a seamstress, newly freed. Um, and she wore men's clothing in order to compete. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Some of the things I love the most. She was a Bostonian, right? Yeah. Um, I would love to know more of Kitty's story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so she, I, I take very seriously as someone who has come to this city treads these roads, inherits this story um, as a cyclist, as a queer woman, as a textile artist, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. um, these are the paths I tread. Um, Kitty is someone who um, died very young. She's buried in Mount Auburn Cemetery. Okay. Um, uh, she uh, traversed so many spaces, um, right. but she didn't get to live 
as fully as she wanted, but man, she found some incredibly subversive ways uh, to move in between spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear more from her. No doubt. Um, so I've got those three. And so I have some curious ancestral heritage. Um, okay. uh, one of my ancestors is a man named Edward Everett. Mm-hmm. He, um, I don't always tell this story because it's both very strange and, you know, some of the things about ancestors is you know, like how much to claim of their story that impinges on your own. Um, yeah, yeah. Edward was a, a senator um, uh, and a clergyman. Um, he was the guy who spoke before Lincoln at Gettysburg. Okay. The one who went on forever. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, a long opening act <laughs> the long, and right like and Lincoln just like uh, you know it's like the six minute mic drop um, no, my guy was the one who went on yeah, yeah, yeah. so he was he was um, something of an abolitionist but like uh-huh. maybe not like the most forward thinking one but okay. um, I want to know more of him yeah um and what it meant to be doing that work at that time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. To know more of the places he both struggled with and I just have a lot of questions. Get you. Get you. Get you. Get you. Get you. Yeah. Right. right like, like we share a name, but right. I'm sure he would be deeply confused by me. I feel deeply confused by him. He'd need some um, time. Right. Yeah. That would be. That'd be an interesting dinner party. It sounds like a good group. It sounds like a good group. Sure for that. Listen, and, and if it ever gets a little kind of, you know, Jesus could bring us all right back into it, you know, like that's this. So. <laughs> that's the hope. Yeah, that'd be a good. That'd be a good crew. That's the hope. That's the hope. I, but I, I like the idea of 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 bringing your spouse just so you can like have this wonderful moment, and then like on the way home be like. All right, we yes. gotta process all of that. What was that? <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a veteran move. I like that. That's yeah, yeah. That's you. you need that's someone cool. to bear witness to your best stuff. A hundred percent. That's well said. That's really well said. Yeah. So speaking of bearing witness, how can we bear witness to the good work you're doing with Boston Women's Sports? Where, where should we go? Yeah. So that's where the website is. We're on uh, Boston Women's Sports, uh, Boston Women's Sports dot com, and uh, that's the Twitter and Instagram handle as well. Um, yeah, you know, trying to think bit bigger and broader and hold that abundant vision. Um, we all deserve excellent and equitable um, uh, and anti-racist coverage, right? Like, yeah. um, I think that, you know, I want that for Boston. I want that everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, and I invite correction um, on that for myself as well. I think sure. I've been really inspired by... Um, Particularly, um, I came at this from the soccer side of things, um, Mm -hmm. and it was the podcast of um, some folks uh, who showed me what it might be like to imagine watching a sport centering it on Black women. Right. Right. So started listening um, to Shea Butter FC and Diaspora United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Right. And it was just like a really different way to approach a sport. And I learned so much. It was like, hey, you know, because I think for white folks, there can be this sense of like anti-racist work being like the thing you need to do to be like a good white person. Right, 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 right. You're like, you kind of go into it being like, I am being dutiful and very reverential. Paying penance. Like... Uh, like, and it's a box you check, you're like, but I've done my diversity training. <laughs> right, right, right. I checked it off. Right. <laughs> you're like, and so, um, my wife and I, a number of years ago, we were like, we just can't countenance, like, following the NFL. Like, I grew up a Giants yeah. fan. Like, she, you know, we're like, we just can't do this. Like, yeah. as Christians, as feminists, like, they do not deserve my eyes or my attention or my Got money. Got you. Um. We're like, all right, we're going all in. Like, I became a like hard Celtics fan. Um, I'm a woman in Boston. I have to talk sports somehow. For real, um, right? <laughs> For real. It is a social currency. Yes. Like, I'm a clergy woman in Boston. Yeah. If I cannot talk about how bereft I am about the fact that we just traded Marcus, like, 
man. Choices were made. Um, Choices were made. As a Knicks fan, I am glad y'all did that, by the way. Well, good luck with that for you. <laughs> all for of our crosses to bear, right? Listen, now. This, is, this, this is how I, I strengthen my prayer life, is what I'm trying to tell you, Lord. You know, and we were like, look, we're, we're really going to dig in and learn more about soccer. This mm. was probably like, I mean, it was after the 2019 World Cup. We were like, all right, we're going to be like Gotham fans. We're, and it was right around the time that both those podcasts were starting. And we're like, oh, man, this is like such a different way yeah, to yeah, orient so. towards yeah. a sport. It was like, what if we just like decide we're going to be fans of like all of the black women players mm-hmm. and like prioritize coverage of them? Yeah. It turns out it's super fun. Right. And you notice all of the ways that like terrible racist practices in mainstream media have like minimized how much I haven't been noticing. Come on, right. The invisibility. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. so let's reorient. Like I can be intentional and it can be fun. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. I love that. And and stay thank you so much. Just I, I feel like it's so much i think there's a lot of folks who who are sports fans who really do need to we all need to do that sort of interrogation of self and and think about the ways in which we need to unlearn biases and unlearn things that have just been normalized for us by just consuming not just the sport itself but the coverage of that sport so thank you for you know really helping i think you're really helping folks uh be a part of that sense of process of of self-interrogation so thank you for that for sure well thanks no doubt no doubt and y'all, as always, at Baddest Chaplain on Facebook, IG, TikTok, YouTube. I'm back on Twitter. I tried to walk away, Laura, but I'm, but NBA's coming back up. NBA Twitter is my favorite space. This man is destroying my favorite uh, social media space. I'm angry about it. I'm calling the X now. But I'm gonna be back because I need my NBA Twitter. I, 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 I thought I could walk away. I tried to walk away during the dog days. Of I summer. know, I'm but back. it's still where the conversation is, and right, like. <laughs> Where the people are, we got to be. A hundred percent, hundred percent. But make sure that y'all, uh, you know, with baddestchaplain.substack, the uh, YouTube page, Spotify, Apple, like, subscribe, leave a comment. It's all love. Until next time, be blessed, y'all. Thank you so much. Peace. Peace.